0: We're going to be here, Uh, Acts chapter 3 is going to be our text and so if you have a copy of God's word with you this morning, let me encourage you to find your way over to Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3 as we look into the scriptures today, we're going to be uh, continuing on on our journey through uh, the book of Acts today, oh what a savior, oh what a savior, we're given a picture here of what Jesus Christ can and does do in the lives of people who turn to him. The news this week out of Wise County, just a few miles north of us, centered on, focused on that family in Wise County, young couple in their mid-twenties raising their four children in dog kennels. Heartbreaking account of Abuse. And I use that word "heartbreaking," because it seems by now that we hear these kinds of stories so often.' It's just like it's, it's just like one after the other of these accounts that we hear that we almost become immune to such horrific accounts of abuse. What ought to arouse our anger now is met with maybe indifference. We've heard this so often. Psychologists have termed our condition now as compassion fatigue. And yet the question that we need to consider today is, is there any hope? Will there ever be any end to this kind of sin and suffering in our world? What is the answer for our world? And the problem is not just out there, places out there. I know many of us here in this morning we're facing our own struggles, our own trouble. We know that Jesus is the answer, that we know that Jesus is able, but what about our suffering and the things that are going on in our lives? What about the places in our lives where where the reality of living life in this fallen world has intersected us? where we live, in our homes, with our families, in our community. And so we find ourselves asking the question, who is the one who can deliver us from this kind of sin and suffering? Our text this morning is Acts chapter 3, the third chapter of Acts. And in this chapter, Acts chapter 3 and 4 really go together. We're going to just work through the Third chapter of Acts today. But here in this in this chapter, we find a man in a hopeless condition who experiences a life-changing miracle. A man in a hopeless condition experiencing a life-changing miracle. And the message from this miracle speaks to our condition today as we too find ourselves living in a fallen world. And as we go through this chapter, I want us to Just pause and consider what is God saying to us in this part of his word. I think if we just read this chapter and we just see the miracle and just think of, well, that happened 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, well, all we have is a fantastic story. I want us to think about the significance of what happened there. Because I believe it bears witness, has a meaning for our lives today. Because I think of this account here, what we're gonna see, I'm reminded of an account in the life of Jesus when he was teaching, and the house was crowded and you know, it was filled with people and there were men four men carrying their friend who was crippled on a stretcher and they couldn't even get him their friend into the house to see Jesus and so they came up with plan B and their plan B was to tear open the roof and they let the stretcher down right in front of where Jesus was and Jesus looked at this man and he said to them said to him your sins are forgiven I don't know what that man was thinking, but I wonder if that man's initial response may have been somewhat disappointment. I imagine he probably wanted to walk. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. The Bible tells us that Jesus, immediately the people who were there, they began to, the religious leaders, they began to, um, form their arguments against Christ, and they said, "Who can? Who is this guy saying he can forgive sin? Only God can forgive sin. Who does he think he is?" And Jesus stops and turns to them, knowing what was in their heart. And he says, "What's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk?" And I imagine Jesus probably stopped there and just paused. Yeah, it's easier to say that your sins are forgiven unless you can heal them. And so Jesus then turns to the man and says, so that you might know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, I say to you, rise up and walk. we're given another account in Acts chapter 3 that bears witness that Jesus can do for us what no one else can do. And so as we take a look at this chapter this morning, I, really we can divide the chapter into three parts. There's the man and his condition. We see that in verses 1 through 3. And then we see the miracle in verses 4 through 11. And then Peter is going to give to us a message. He's going to help us understand the significance of what took place that day, verses 12 through 26. And really want to just follow that outline through the chapter. And we're going to read and make comments and observations along the way, asking that God would speak to us this morning. And so let's begin by taking a look at that setting, the man. In his condition. Let's read Acts chapter 3 verses 1 to 3. I hope that you brought a copy of God's word with you this morning. If not, listen as God's word is being read. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And so that's the context. That sets the stage for us here this morning as we think about this passage. And notice this morning about this man who was being carried there uh, to this temple area. It helps us understand our need, our condition here this morning. He was carried daily, They think about a man who is being carried daily along by his friends. We would probably say that man's condition is helpless. There was nothing that he could do to change his situation. There was a bondage, a power that, uh, there was a bondage that held power over him. He was unable to, there was unable, he was unable to use his legs to be able to move about. He was dependent upon others to carry him wherever he went. The Bible tells us that he was being carried daily, but he was also being carried from birth. From birth, you think about that. This man was in a hopeless situation. This was the only life that he ever knew. He only knew one thing, that he would never be able to walk. His outlook in life would never change. His condition this day was as good as it ever would be for him. Bible tells us that he not only was he carried daily and he was being carried from birth but he was being carried to beg to beg now think about that not only was a man in a helpless and hopeless condition but he was being humiliated reduced to indignity completely dependent upon the kindness of other people and if we were to be honest this morning how fickle is our kindness. I mean, on some days, we're generous and we're sharing with anyone and everyone, right? Most days, we just rather look away and keep on driving. Sometimes we find ourselves being put out by those who are in need. Our generosity... Um, is dependent upon our feelings or how we look at the person in front of us, um, how we might perceive our own condition. And here is a man who was carried daily to beg. He was not only carried daily to beg, but he was carried just to the edge. The Bible tells us that he was laid at the gate, the temple gate, called Beautiful, Beautiful. Uh, The Jewish law did not allow anyone who was crippled to enter into the temple courts area. And so here was a man who was brought to the edge, but he was never brought in. Always living on the outside, always looking um, from the outside in, the Bible scholars have identified three possible locations for the beautiful gate. Most scholars believe that the beautiful gate was the gate inside the temple area separating the court of the Gentiles where the mass could enter from the court of the women where the Jews would go in. Josephus, the historian... The Jewish historian from the first century says that the beautiful gate was a large and ornate gate covered in Corinthian brass, taking 20 men to open and close that gate. And this is where this man was laid beside the beautiful gate. We know the rule from real estate, right? Real estate, the rule of real estate is what? There you go, that's a little bit better. Two of you this time, added to the three from last time. The beautiful gate is a place of high traffic. I mean, it was the prime spot to be laid to beg. The Bible tells us that he was being carried there at um, three in the afternoon, the ninth hour. It's uh, the a th- the, the time of the evening sacrifice. And so as the day was coming to an end, there were men and women coming in and out of the temple courts. Uh, having offered their sacrifice or going to prepare their, offers, uh, their evening sacrifice. Judaism, one of the hallmarks of, the Juda- of Judaism is that um, an evidence of piety was demonstrated by compassion for the poor through giving. And so this man had the best spot. And he was going there to hopefully receive help from some people who uh, might be able to provide temporary help for him. This week as I was thinking about this man, I was thinking about us. Our infirmity may not be legs that don't work. Our infirmity may be things that are on the inside that are hidden. Maybe our infirmity this morning is an addiction, a secret addiction that no one knows, but we fight that battle. And we feel like we're on the losing end. Maybe this morning our infirmity is a marriage that feels like is completely dead or maybe on life support. Maybe we find our infirmity this morning as our, in our children who are rebelling against God and we feel absolutely powerless to change them. Maybe our infirmity this morning is depression or despair. Maybe we, we fight that battle and, and we just look at life through these dark colored glasses Maybe our infirmity this morning is bitterness and and resentment that is deep inside our heart and we just cannot find it within ourselves to be able to forgive the one who has hurt us or harmed us so deeply. Maybe our infirmity this morning is self-hatred and and, uh, we just are filled with self-condemning thoughts And messages that we speak to ourselves. Believing that we're unlovable and God would have nothing to do with us. Maybe our infirmity this morning is is that we're controlled by anger or lust or um, gossip or whatever type of character flaw there might be. And we're just powerless to change. Unlike the man, we're not being carried by people. And nobody knows that which is going on inside of us, but our infirmity is just as real as this man who was carried daily from birth laid at the beautiful gate to beg. And like this man, we're just looking for a way to get by. Give me something for today. Give me help for today. Give relief for today. And that's what we're counting on. That's what we're looking for. And we're hoping that kind of help will come. See, this man that was laid here at the temple court, as you and I, we find ourselves there. But that's just the context. That's just the opening of the story. The, the storyline really picks up in verse 4 where we find this miracle happening, coming into this man's life that results in praise and wonder. And so if you have your, God's word open still, look with me at verse 4. We'll read down to verse 11 and again just try to make some thoughts, observations, applications along the way. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw this walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them. In the place called Solomon's Colonnade. There's this man begging for, hoping for compassionate generosity, and he re- receives so much more. And Peter issues two commands to this man. The first command, there is in, in a verse four, he says, Look at us. He says, give us your attention, look at us. Here's the man begging, alms, alms for the poor. And he's sitting there not even making eye contact with people. And Peter stops and he says, look at us. The Bible tells us that this man looks up, hoping to receive maybe a large gift, expecting that Peter was saying, look at us and look at this gift that we're giving to you. What I find interesting is, is that when you go through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, whenever Peter and uh, John and the disciples are mentioned with their former trade, fishing, they're always mentioned with one of two things: either they're mending their nets or they're coming back not having caught anything. I imagine what Peter was saying: "Look at us. We're just broke fishermen. We don't have anything. But what we do have, we give to you. And so we come to that second command there in verse 6. In the name of Jesus, walk. By the authority, by the power that is in the name of Jesus, walk. There's something significant about that phrase, the name of Jesus, Nine times in chapters three and four, the name of Jesus is going to be referenced. That phrase, the name of Jesus, nine times. Two times in chapter three, we're going to see it again in verse 16. Seven times in chapter four. But that name, Peter's saying, in the power, in the authority of Jesus, rise up and walk. And what we need to understand here this morning is that there is something significant about this name, the name of Jesus, right? That name, that name represents power and authority. You know, my story, I'm a Canadian, and if I were to try to go to some uh, American government office, say in Dallas, and say, hey, I'm coming to you in the name of Kevin. I'm going to conduct business in the name of Kevin, They'd be calling security in a heartbeat. Maybe Vicky's putting them up to it, hoping they would call. I don't know, but that's a whole other story. But anyways, they say, hey, we got a a nutcase over here. Right, we we need some help. This is what, there's no power or authority in my name. I can't conduct business for the Canadian government. But a delegate from Canada conduct coming to Dallas to conduct business on the behalf there's, well, there's power and authority in that. Matthew chapter 28, we know the last two verses of the Great Commission, but verse 18, Jesus says, "I have been given all, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority, all power, all the right to rule has been given to me in heaven. There is no one higher than Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. On earth, there's no opposition that can trump Jesus Christ. And we take a look at, at our world and we, the news and our circumstances, our situations, and we think Man, there's all kinds of trouble going on. None that has authority greater than the name Jesus. And there's nothing and no one above him who is over him. And so Peter and John, they say, listen to us in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. Notice what happened immediately when that man uh, heard that. The Bible says that Peter and John, they took him by the hands, they helped him up, and immediately there was strength that flowed through his legs, and this man began to walk. It says he jumped to his feet. He began leaping and praising God and walking, right? When you think about the, this miracle that had happened in this man's life, it was immediate, it was complete. It wasn't, he wasn't partially healed or, and temporarily healed. It was a permanent, com, he, complete healing that came into his life. He is leaping and praising God, not praising Peter and John, but praising God. And the people are left amazed and wondering. When we take a look at what God is doing, what the scripture here is reminding us is that God has, Jesus Christ has the power to heal and to transform lives at the places of our deepest infirmity. He is the one who can save us from our sin. He is the one who can transform our lives, those broken places, those, those places that are crooked and twisted and, and uh uh, 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 that, are, that are left for dead. He is the one who, who brings healing, who brings life. That's what happened here in this story. And if we stop in verse 11, all we have is a story. And so what I want us to do is I want us to listen to the sermon because it's the sermon that gives to us the significance. And so consider with me in verse 12, How is as Peter begins to explain what all of this means, I'm going to read this at the end of the chapter, and then we're just going to walk back through it and and think about this. Right. So beginning in verse 12, When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if it is by our power, or our goodness, our piety, that we have made this man walk? It's not us who did this. Verse 13, The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of your fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and disowned before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Verse 16, I think verse 16 and verse 19 are the two key verses of this chapter. By faith, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and now and know has been made was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did our fathers, as your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what had he had, what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that His Messiah. Would suffer. Verse 19 What must we do? Repent then and turn to God. Why? Notice the three reasons so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, that He may send the Messiah who has been appointed to you even Jesus heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets for Moses said the lord your god will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people you must listen to everything he tells you Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and the covenant of God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Though your obs- through your offspring, all peoples on the earth will be blessed. And when God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. You say, what is the meaning of all this? Well, Peter begins to start, uh, begins to explain how all this happened and what they needed to know and do. It was a message not only for them, but it's a message for us. In verse 12, Peter begins, he says, listen, it's not us, but it's Christ. Don't imagine that what happened here today happened because of us. Don't imagine that this man here is standing before you walking because we're somehow more holy, more pious than other people. It's not us. Instead, it's all about Christ. Right? And so he gives, he brings all the attention of Jesus Christ. in beginning of verses 13 through 15, Peter says, Listen, we need to be clear about who Jesus Christ is. We need to be clear about who Jesus Christ is. It is his power, it's the power in his name that can save. It is the power in his name that can bring healing to our lives. He says, He says, um, verses 13 through 15, he says, you disowned Christ, but God glorified him. You rejected Jesus, but God honored him. You dishonored him, but God exalted him. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And I like the end of verse 15. He says, we are witnesses of this. This is indisputable evidence you and i brothers and sisters we need to take heart of this this morning that the story of christ is not a story that is just made up there is a historical context to our faith right he begins he says the god of abraham the god of isaac the god of jacob the god of your our fathers has glorified his servant jesus that the christian faith isn't something that is new it has its roots in history and it is confirmed by the resurrection. That you and I, what we believe concerning Jesus Christ is, has not been just made up and passed down as a tradition. That this is truth. In verse 16, it says, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can see. There is nothing other than the power of Jesus that healed this man. Nothing other than the power of Jesus. Faith in him. Faith in the name of Jesus that brings salvation. Faith In Jesus that brings wholeness to our lives. He says that it is uh, Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. That word there, completely healed, has the idea of um, making whole. Making whole. Jesus takes what is broken and he makes it whole again. Where in your life do you see brokenness? Do you feel the brokenness of life in this fallen world? It is in the power of the name of Jesus, faith in his name, that what is broken can be made whole. It is the power of Jesus' name that um, takes what is lame and he gives strength. Right? Right? gives strength. This, this man who was unable to walk from birth is suddenly able to walk and in the places where we find our weakness and we find we're unable to go on, it is the strength that comes through the name of Jesus that brings us healing. It is the name of Jesus that takes what is crooked and begins to make straight. It is the name of Jesus that takes what is dead and he breathes new life uh, the prophet Ezekiel said that God will take uh, the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Only Jesus can do that. And some of you here this morning, you're in need of healing. There's brokenness in your life, there's weakness, there's a crookedness, there's a deadness. And instead of just trying to get to that perfect spot, the beautiful gate, to have the best possible outcome... What you need to do this morning is you need to come to Jesus to find healing that is found in him. Not only is there healing found in the name of Jesus, but there is hope found in the name of Jesus. Verses 19 and 20. Peter says, repent then and turn to God. We're going to come back to that word repent in a moment. So that your sins might be wiped out. That times of refreshing might come and that he might send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. That your sins might be wiped out, your sins might be blotted out. The idea there is to obliterate any kind of evidence, right? We may think of... um, You know, a whiteboard up here with all the markings, all the evidence that would be listed against us. He says, repent and turn again to God so that your sins, so that the record of your life might be obliterated, might be erased. That's what Jesus can do. So that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times of refreshing. The ultimate fulfillment of that time of refreshing will be when Jesus Christ returns. But there's something beautiful, I think, about this phrase, times of refreshing. That word for refreshing is found... um, in the Old Testament, in Exodus, when God uh, put the plague of frogs on the land of Egypt. you remember that? Some of you? Yes? No? Yes. And it says, when God lifted the plague of frogs, he gave people relief. That's the word. So the times of relief might come to your life. Life in this broken, fallen world, relief is only found in the person of Jesus. The picture there is to blow on hot bowl of soup, too hot to eat, right? And you blow on it and it cools it down. Those places in life that are getting so hot and intense, God blows his cooling relief. Repent and turn to God so that your sins will be blotted out. And in this world that becomes so hot and hard and heavy to live under and in, there's places and times of relief. Times. Not that we go through this life now without any trouble, but times of refreshing relief in this world. I'm reminded of what Jesus said on the night that he was going to be arrested and later on crucified the next day. He said to his disciples, he says, take heart. In this world you will have trouble. You're not going to escape that. But I have overcome the world. Times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he might send the Messiah who has been appointed for you even Jesus heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through the holy prophets right this world the brokenness of this world is is everywhere and we see that and, and yet we're reminded that what is right now is not God's plan nor is it God's end right there is a time coming when jesus will return and god will restore everything to himself as he has promised through his prophets right healing in the name of jesus hope in the name of jesus peter reminds us that there is authority in the name of jesus that just reminds us that you and I, our response to this account, we cannot be indifferent to it. We can't just read this and just say, well, okay, well, nice story, but here's my life. I'm, we cannot remain indifferent to this. We can, nor can we be, be, remain belligerent against it. Belligerent. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to live my life, right? I, I know what God says, but... That's a belligerent. That's self-rule. We can't, there's authority that is found in the name of Jesus that we, we can't miss. Verse 19. Repent then and turn to God. Now, there is a double emphasis here. The word repent means to change your mind. It has the idea of, of changing directions in your life. So Peter is saying, repent. You need to stop where you're going. You need to turn around. And, just to make the point even clearer and sharper, he uses a different word, but it says, turn to God. Turn again to the Lord. There's no other way we're going to see next week in chapter 4, that there's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. That we, there's no other way that we can go through this life except through the name of Jesus. And so our response, because of this name, is that we must repent and turn again to God. Not only must we, this, this begins obviously at salvation, that we must repent and turn to God in order to be saved. And you and I, as the people of God who have, may have already turned to Him and have called upon Jesus Christ to be our Savior, you and I must live a life of repentance where we're turning from our sin, turning from ourselves, turning to God. There's authority in this name. Verse 22 and 23, Peter quotes uh, uh, Moses there in Deuteronomy chapter 18, that God would raise up a prophet like Moses from among his own people. Verse 22, you must listen to him. Verse 23, anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from his people, from their people. Not only must we repent, but you and I must listen to this one who is called Christ. Listen to him when he speaks about salvation. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except by me. Listen to him. Any other path, any other attempt at reaching salvation except through Christ is no salvation. Listen to him. When he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto him. Listen to him when he says that the first will be last, the last will be first. The greatest are not those who have uh, serving them, but those who are great will be marked by those who are found in serving others. Listen to him. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. There's a warning here, and that warning is this, that there's something far worse than going through life crippled. You and I, we can have all of our full use of all of our appendages. You and I can have all kinds of, enjoy all kinds of success in life. But if we do not listen, listen, to Him at the very core of our being dealing with the issue of sin in our life will be cut off from Him. Repent. Turn to God. Listen to Him. When God raised up His servant, verse 26, He sent Him first to you to bless you by turning you from your wicked ways. Let's go, the Lord, in prayer. Let's pray to him today. What is the Lord asking you to do? The message of Peter's, the uh, the response, the called for response from Peter's message is direct and straightforward. You and I are to repent, turn to God, listen to his servant Jesus. What must you do? the end of the service, if you have any questions, I'll be here. You can, I would like to, I welcome the opportunity to visit with you and to talk with you, to pray with you over these things. Don't leave this morning without meeting with the Lord. Father, thank you for your servant Jesus. Thank you that there is power in his name. Thank you that you are the one who gives faith to believe in his name and that in his name there is healing. And there is hope. And this morning we recognize that there is authority in his name. He is the one who rules over all. You have set him at your right hand this morning. You have placed him over everything for your church, your word says. And so today, we bow before you, asking for your grace to do what you've said in your word, that we would be marked by repentance that we would be marked by listening to your servant, Jesus. For we ask this all through his name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song of response.